yeah. <laughs> real podcast. Can we start? And we just change our Stop voices. Calling it Kelly gold. can change the voices. Start we can the all real share. Podcasts. My name is Addie. <laughs> You're Fefany. Fefany. And you Addie. are Justine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A podcast from your friends here at Sandals Church, where we got Pastor Matt Brown giving real answers to tough questions about the Bible. I'm your pal, Justin Pardee. And I'm Stephanie Keene. We're hanging out here with everyone's favorite princess, Pastor Matt Brown. Pastor Matt Brown. Peace dance for princess. Do you you have any princess action this weekend? No, actually, I had a pretty pretty good weekend, except I had the flu. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I would say coming and and maintain, you know, showing up to preach while you have the flu definitely. Yeah. You, your inner yeah, you and I weekend. were both sick this weekend. And wait, which one of us showed up for work? It was definitely not me. Yeah. I stayed at home, mm. took a lot of medicine. Yeah. yeah the two of you texted me within 15 minutes of each other, telling me you were sick and going down. Sorry here about that. Well, trying here to go to work. Back. Here we are back. Listen, yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was going to bounce back ready today to do this show with high energy. And mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you, I'm on a lot of ibuprofen and feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. So uh, we got all kinds of good stuff coming up for you guys. Man, this is a big deal. This is episode 46, but it is the final episode of the 252 series. So we are done with Luke and Axe mm-hmm. in, you know... Come, you, come one hour from Pastor now. Pastor Matt, you were doing like a really fun dance until we said Yeah, it made me sad. This has been, it's been good. I remember, you know, sitting down last year, we were planning out the sermon calendar for 2016 and now it's done. Yep. Yeah. Well, we got some yeah. good stuff coming up, especially here on the show. That's right. So next week is our Christmas gift to you. We are releasing Cold Gold Volume 2. It's going to be awesome. All yes. the best stuff from the pre-brief, everything <laughs> that goes down that's happy, awesome, and fun, and we've never had time to share with you. We got a whole chalk file. Chalk pu- Chalk file. Yeah, we got a chalk file. Chalk of goodness. File. How did you come up with the name Cold Gold? Cold Gold. Because we call it Cold Opens mm-hmm. is what we do. on the, It's a opens with a cold open. And then cold and gold, those two worms, words rhyme. Yeah. You just said worms. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Nope. Mm. Maybe we'll try to do better. Um, I'm on a lot of medication, as I mentioned before. Yeah. And my lips are feeling a little yeah. tappy tap. Stephanie together. said something inappropriate this week from stage. My daughter texts me. Oh, no. What did I I'll say? I'll tell you after. Oh, no. Wow. Yeah. I'll let you read it on my phone. Oh, gosh. Madison texts me. Stephanie just said... We'll record oh, that no. uh, conversation and put yeah. it there at the Got end of Cold Gold <laughs> 2, maybe, <laughs> if you're yeah. lucky. Well, yeah. hey, after Cold Gold Volume 2, man, up next, I'm really excited. The first episode, January uh, 2017, first episode of the new year, episode 47, we are going to do a show called Frequently Asked Questions, and these are all questions that ministers and leaders here at Sandals Church say they get asked about Sandals Church on a regular basis, so we're super excited about that show. That'll be the first show of January, Frequently mm-hmm. Asked Questions, and then we're going to get into a series of episodes all about really the vision of being real with ourselves, God, and others. We'll probably spend a while there. So if you have a question about what it means to be real with yourself, what does it mean to be real with God or others, and you want to get Pastor Matt to talk about that, definitely send in your questions and we'll get it on during that series of shows. That's right. And you can always send your questions. Just head over to debrief.show and click the big red button that says, ask a question. You can also send us a message on our Facebook page at just look for the debrief podcast and send us a message. We're going to get into some questions today, but before before we do that, we got a ton of great questions. We have some good reviews, guys. Last I week I asked for a Christmas miracle and uh, people came through. This first one comes from Chad Chad Chad. He says the debrief is the bee's knees. I had a difficult question. Yes. It was <laughs> answered perfectly and I feel like I was sitting in the room. You guys are the best. So Thanks Chad Chad Chad. Yeah. Yes, Chad Chad Chad, Chad, Chad. Chad you are with us today. <laughs> exactly. All right, and this next review comes from Alex MN2. 
says, I love the debrief podcast. I listen as soon as a new episode comes out all the way from Houston, Texas. I used Whoa. to live in California. Yeah, we got and a lot of Texas people, man. I know, we're yeah. big in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. That's right. Including, including, including the debrief. Yep. Um, says, I used to live in California and attended Sandal Church regularly. Now I watch on YouTube and in weekly podcasts. I love that Pastor Matt is so insightful about the Bible and is real. Says what needs to be said and what we need to hear. Even though I read my Bible daily, sometimes it goes right over my head. But listening in clears it right up. I love you guys and God bless Sandals Church. Mm. I'm trying to add sound effects to the reviews. So fun. if we move the debrief to Texas, will we call it the big brief? Ooh, the, the big. Well, you know what? Somebody, somebody sent in on Facebook. They found some flip flops that have spurs on them. No. That, uh, yeah. Just saying, we can get a pair of those. No, 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 no. That'd be kind of awesome. All right, one last, one last awesome review. This one comes from Homely Fiber, which mm. I'm trying to understand what's going on there with that username. Yeah. Uh, but I, Homely Fiber, listen, I support you. Person, you. <laughs> exactly. Mm. I've listened to the, all the debrief episodes in the last couple of months, and the end of every episode always leaves me wanting more. The podcast has gotten me engaged in the Bible like never before. Pastor Matt's insights on the Bible has really inspired me to really follow Jesus. Amen. I thought everyone I knew, what I thought I knew what Christianity was about until I learned so much more from here. Everyone on the podcast is awesome. Justin, can I be your sidekick? Oh, uh, that's my job. That's, mm. <laughs> that's true. Uh, sidekick, Little sister sidekick. Phil, yes, yeah. we are. Well. I'll take some applications uh, for potential sidekicks. All right, Pastor Matt, you ready to get into some questions? I am so ready. People are so excited for this. We got a couple follow-up questions, and then we are going to get into it with Acts chapters 27 and 28. So first up on the follow-up question list, this one comes from Michelle. In a recent episode, someone commented on how she loved that Stephanie admitted to listening to Beyonce because people think Christians only listen to Christian music. My question is, would you say that God would be okay with Christians listening to worldly music, or is that something we should not do as Christians? I have chosen to not listen to worldly music, Stephanie, because we are supposed to separate ourselves from the world. So that comment threw me off a little bit. Mm. Yeah, well, we're all praying for Stephanie's salvation, Michelle. So <laughs> well, thank you very much. I mean, I think there isn't an episode that goes by where Justin and I aren't seriously concerned about the Stephanie. It's true. And, uh, or as we like to call her, Dolores. You've got a lot of potential yeah. that we believe in you. Thank That's you. the good news. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. You guys are so one day, kind. One day you're going to get really saved. Show me some grace. So Michelle, listen, here, here's the challenges. All art, um, when it is done appropriately, glorifies God, whether it's Christian music or non-Christian music. So you can listen to love music that glorifies God. What you need to do is look at the content of the movie, of the music, the lyrics. What is it saying? Is it, you know, I mean, talking about love, uh, talking about, um, you know, beauty, those things are all great. And so um, I think it's important as Christians that we not uh, create hard and fast rules for everyone. What we need to do is create rules for ourselves based upon our own personality and our own struggles. So for example, um, mm, I like I'll go watch an R-rated movie that uh, is violent because I'm not a violent person. I'm not you know, thinking about going out and killing people. And that's not a temptation to me. If it's an R-rated movie that's based upon sex, uh, you know, in my past, I struggled with pornography uh, and, and that was a real issue for me. So that's, that's a no-no for me. Mm -hmm. My wife, however, you know, she, she probably can watch a, a movie with sexual content and it not have any impact on her whatsoever. And so maybe that's a little bit different for her. So Tammy and I are different. It's some things are okay for me that are not okay for her. Some things are, are okay for her that are not okay for me. And so we need to make sure that we leave room for uh, every individual and where they're struggling at. I have a great sermon uh, on core sins. Michelle, I would encourage you to look at that uh, because we need to not... Um, you know, isolate any sins as maybe more dangerous than others, uh, even though they're all different. I'm not saying they're all the same, but we all struggle with different sins in different areas. So um, great question. Um, you know, Beyonce, questionable for sure, Dolores. I'm a little concerned about you. Um, 
you know, uh, I, I'm just teasing. Um, you know, Beyonce has some good beats. Um, I'm not a big fan either, yeah. but, uh, well, actually what I thought was really interesting about her last album is it has this incredible story of forgiveness and redemption mm-hmm. and what effect that's had on her. So I actually thought like, say what you will about the content. There's actually a really incredible yeah. theme of redemption. Well, I don't know there. that because I don't listen to her, but, um, and that's not, you know, out of a Christian, Christian, yeah. Christian, Christian, I just invented a word. I think, yeah, there that's we go. That's not af- out of a Christian conviction. It's just, that's not my particular style of music. However, if somebody's playing some Sierra, I want to be in a roller skating rink, getting down. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. So, oh, yeah. And that's not really a matter of a theology. That's just taste. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I do I do love to roller skate though. That was the 80s, man. I had a comb in my back pocket and the beat was on. That oh, was awesome. okay. Yeah. Noted. All right, this next follow-up question comes from Jacob. Kind of a similar question. Yeah, it's actually in a similar vein here. It says, how does God view our choices of entertainment and how we use that time? I'm really excited for the new Star Wars movie. It's not Me like too. It's not like it's porn, but there's also nothing directly <laughs> bringing glory to God in seeing that movie. Is any and all time and energy not spent bringing glory to God inherently sinful? And is there any biblical principle for this? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, you know, um, I, I think that it's important that... Um, we do manage our time well. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians says, redeem the time for the days are evil. And so we need to look at our time every single day. That's easier for me because I get paid to study the Bible every single day. Uh, that's a part of my life, a part of my process. Right. So it's much easier for me. I do think it's important to have downtime and have some, um, you know, some, some time for entertainment. And I, and I think that's important. Um, Certainly there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Jesus has created, like I said, art. He's created leisure. I mean, these things are gifts from God. Just like in the Old Testament, the Bible says that wine is given for the merriment of man. And so, but we're not to abuse it and be drunk with wine. So um, we, we got to be careful and we've got to discern, you know, when am I entertaining myself in a way that is righteous and brings glory to God? And, and when am I not? Um, I, I saw the new Star Wars movie and it was great. The only thing that was a little weird for me was the the scene where, this talk about I am the force and the force mm-hmm. is with the, with me and I'm the force. That was just a little religious to me. It was, mm-hmm. it was just a little weird to me. So, uh, but other than that, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, you know, I wish Christians had the kind of passion for Jesus that they have for the force. Yeah. Nobody's buying tickets to Sandals Church Christmas Eve service month in advance. If you want to though, we can, we can find yeah. a way to well, sell Well, A, so. we're not selling them. <laughs> B, uh, so anyways, that's a great question. Just just try to understand, you know, there's been some things my wife and I have watched where literally jokingly we walked out of the theater and I said, God is going to talk to us about that last two hours mm-hmm. because it just wasn't, it wasn't redeeming and it didn't have value. And what I would just encourage you is, is hey, movie theaters are great. Walk out, get your money back, go see something else. And, and I think it's important, you know, to do that. And, and Tammy and I've had to do that a couple of times where maybe a movie just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. And, um, you know, uh, we walked out. So, you know, watch your music, watch what you read. And constantly I'm asking myself, what is what I'm reading, listening to, or watching? Is it encouraging me to be a better person or is it causing me to slip away from what Christ has, has called mm-hmm. me to? And so, um, you know, that's, that, that's just me. One of the things Jacob said is that there's nothing directly bringing glory to God in that movie. And what I thought was interesting, I mean, I took my seven-year-old son to see Rogue One and we walked out of the movie theater at like 11 o'clock that night on the drive home we had one of our most like real conversations about like why would someone choose self-sacrifice and why would somebody, you know, maybe go through the idea of laying down their life for our friends. Um, and why would you think of something outside yourself as being greater mm-hmm. than just your own self? And, you know, the context for that really real conversation that I had with my son was that movie. And I think if you're really intentional about some of these things, you can 
you know, push and point that conversation yeah, to the greater think, truth about Christmas. I think that's a great, uh, great point, Justin, is we can use contemporary uh, issues, films, music, and movies and books that other people are reading, and we can use that as an opportunity to talk about God and, and God's glory. And so here's the, here's the biggest thing you need to have when sharing Christ. There needs to be some common experience. If you don't have a common experience, it's going to be very, very difficult to connect. So we studied Acts 17 this year where Paul found himself in Athens and he said, I see here you have a tomb to, or a, a, um, oh, uh, an idol to idol. the unknown God. So what he's doing is he's finding a common connection where both people understand so he can share about the gospel. And oftentimes, and I'm not saying that, you know, there are some things that we should go watch so we can simply, you know, have that that conversation um, because there are some things that, you know, we're just not into. What was that movie that was out last year that we took a stand against? Uh, something gray. Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, I... It, that's just, to me, is just not okay. Sex should never be painful. It's supposed to be a beautiful thing, an expression between two people who love each other. And, and violence is, is, I think, is a perversion yeah. of the beauty and the gift of sex that God has given to us. And so I said, you know, I'm not going to do that. So, But I still had an opportunity to share with people why I made that decision. And not all Christians share with me that decision, and that's fine. Um, I have my own opinions. But we need to, as far as we can, engage in things so that we don't seem so bizarre and weird that we can't have some kind of commonality as Americans, as Californians, or as Texans. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't know what they talk about there, but we love you there in Houston. Um, so that we can engage and, and engage in real conversations about real issues and, and real people. And um, I think that's important. Yeah. And I think like a really cool practice that I've really noticed like in my boyfriend, Tyler, is really finding the gospel narrative in a story that has nothing to, that's not explicitly about God and sort of saying like, well, look, there's good, there's evil. Like, here's what redemption looks like. Here's what forgiveness looks like. Here's how I see what God has done with us in this story that's Star Wars or that's some other movie that has nothing to do with that. So I think it's a really cool practice for Christians mm-hmm. to even look for that in stories you wouldn't expect it. Yeah. That's what happens when you date a poet. You know, I listened to a song on the way to church here this, or on the way to work here this morning. And one of the lines was, it said, described God as the author of all the questions I ask myself. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And then when you go and you see and experience art, you know, it can be a reminder, you know, literally everyone around us. Why is it that stories about self-sacrifice are so powerful? Why is Mm -hmm. it that where everyone wants a hero that they can believe in that Mm -hmm. has integrity, you know, Mm -hmm. they can remind us that everyone around us is desperately, you know, hungry for the good news of Jesus Christ and a Mm -hmm. place to be real. Yeah. Sorry. You, you touched on the Star Wars button there. Uh, so I got, <laughs> you touched and, on the Beyonce button. Yeah, exactly. so. We got our soapbox. All right, back to Pastor Matt's part of the podcast here that's where right, we fire right. some questions back at you. All right, our last follow-up question comes from Rhonda. And she says, as a Christian who strongly believes in Christ, why does eternity seem so scary? Hmm. If I believe I will spend eternity with our Savior in heaven, why is the concept of eternity itself so scary to me? Yeah, that's a great qu- question, Rhonda. And I, just so you know, I think you're right. Eternity should be scary. And so uh, how does God define himself? He says, I am the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the end. So God uses the language of eternity to describe himself. Why? Because he's scary. God is scary. Mm -hmm. And so one of the best ways to comprehend how incomprehensible God is, is to think about forever. So God God is life. He has always existed. There has never been a time where God hasn't been. And that is impossible for our finite minds to understand time is something that he created, you know? Um, you know, just like when you when you play a video game, that video game has been created by, you know, um, a bunch of techie people who've created a, a world that only exists, you know, for those characters that exist in it. Well, God has created this for us mm-hmm. and he exists outside of that because he is greater and grander. And so I think Rhonda, eternity is a great place to meditate 
and think about how immense and how powerful God must be because that is the place that he dwells. He dwells in the realm of forever because he is by definition forever. So when Moses says, who should I say sent me when he goes to uh, Pharaoh and to the people of Israel, he says, you tell them the God, I am the God that I am. And, and, And that's just, he just defines himself as I am what I am. I have always been, that's who I am. And so uh, Rhonda, I think that means you're really wrestling with that concept. And all we know is it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and it will not be boring. It will be exceptionally powerful every single day. And uh, I think every day of eternity will be better than the day before. It's going to be incredible. Awesome. Uh, man, we love getting you guys' questions here on the show for all topics. Any questions you've got, whatever tough questions you have about the Bible or Christianity, send them in and we'll get them to Pastor Matt. But we are going to jump into uh, the closing chapters of Acts, chapter 27 and 28 here. And Paul is now sailing for Rome. And we're going to pick up in verses uh, about seven. It says, we had several days of slow sailing, but the weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. So here's kind of a question. Paul is a prisoner on this ship. How does he end up in the position where he's able to address everybody on board? Yeah, Paul Paul must have been just some kind of individual to reckon with. I mean, he just had um, power. There was power in who he was. And obviously he's a very, very wise person. And when he spoke, you know, people were influenced by him. And so, I mean, this is a guy that can stand up and de- debate Herod Agrippa in front of a royal court. This is a guy who can deal with Festus, with Felix. This is a guy who has no problems arguing with the Sanhedrin, the most brilliant people in the nation of Israel. I mean, this is a man to be reckoned with. He's one of the greatest intellects of all time. Um, I mean, his theology, his words are scripture. This guy's a genius. And so he. Julius is a man in the military. And here's one of the things, if you've served in the military. Julius is the captain of the ship. Yeah, the captain of the ship is people in the military recognize leadership. I think more yep. so than, than mm-hmm. <clears throat> any other field in the world. And Julius sees a leader hmm. and he understands this is a man of influence. This is a man I need to listen to. And so he gives him an audience. Mm-hmm. And this is not like a, a fishing boat or something, right? Like they've got prisoners on here, cargo, it's probably pretty yeah, good size. Actually, if you read through um, Acts 27, it says there's 276 souls on board. Okay. It's a big vessel. So, you know, the Romans could, could put together a large ship. Mm-hmm. And so this is um, probably not a Roman vessel. This is some kind of sailing vessel that actually, you know, think about, you know, a cruise ship sells tickets mm-hmm. for people to come on board. And, and that's what um, Julius is doing is he's trying to transport these prisoners. And so he's probably going to make his way. Um, just think about maybe Ontario Airport. Ontario Airport here in uh, Southern California is not a great place to get anywhere you want to go, yeah, although they, they call themselves an international <laughs> yeah. airport. I don't think that they know what international means. Yeah. Well, you can fly to Cancun. That's yeah. Mexico. That's true. <laughs> but you can't, you can't get to very many places. True. So usually what you do is you fly from Ontario yeah, to a to, place like Houston, right. Denver, um, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta, someplace, and then you can go wherever you want right, to go. Right. And so they're going to jump on this ship and think of Ontario Airport, and then they're going to get to a larger port where then they can find a ship sailing for um, Rome. So this may have been a smaller ship, but ultimately the ship that they get on has 276 souls. So this is probably a little bit smaller. They're going to make their way up to a larger port where they're going to get on a big ship where almost 300 people. And Josephus, a Jewish historian, says uh, in his memoirs that he was on a ship with 600 people. Oh, wow. Hmm. So think about that. So a ship twice the size 
of the ship ultimately that that uh, Paul will get on. Gotta love sailor language too, right? That's two hundred seventy six souls, yeah, not people. Vessel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they do continue sailing, and it says in verses 13 through 20, a wind of typhoon strength burst across the island and blew us out to sea. And it goes on to say the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Now, you've mentioned before in things like the Anchor Theory series that we did that sometimes God will send storms specifically to get our attention. Was this the case here, or did they maybe just come across a nasty storm? Yeah, I, I think that uh, in this case, it's actually the opposite of what you see in most stories in the Bible. Uh, Paul here is warning the potential of a storm. And, uh, and you know, we don't know, did Paul hear something from God? Is this just his own intuition as a leader? Are these his own concerns? I mean, Paul had traveled before. You know, this isn't his first time on a ship. So Paul understands that these things can go very, very bad. So in this instance, I don't think that this is a storm sent by God. This is just a storm that they happen to get into. And the word here in the Greek, actually, uh, the Greek word means like a cyclone. Okay. So that's what hit them. And so this island is an island of multiple hills. And so if you've ever been to the big island of Hawaii, it's very, very similar. And so the island of Hawaii, the most dangerous point, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but the Hawaiian islands um, have multiple islands, but the actual island of Hawaii, people call it the big island. Mm -hmm. So the big island has this really, really dangerous place. And it's this point between two volcanoes where there's this valley. Um, and I've done bicycle races. The uh, Ironman mm -hmm. uh, triathlon is there. And when you hit this valley, man, the wind is so scary and so crazy. Really? It literally just whips and spins and it's terrifying. And so, I don't know, did you ever ride a skateboard as a kid? Either of you guys? Oh, yeah. So on a skateboard, did you ever get the speed wiggles? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can get that on a bicycle. People don't realize that. But if you're traveling at a fast enough speed and then there's a crosswind, you get the same experience. And that's what happened to me on a bicycle. I thought I was going to die. Hmm. And so, so that's what happens is these guys come off the corner of this island. They hit this dip. Um, in, in the valleys between the two high points. And this island has peaks of up where around 7,000 feet. So it's a tall island and then it gets low. And literally this storm comes out of nowhere. And so you think, well, why wouldn't they have known it was coming? Because there's a massive mountain blocking this wind. They hit it. And then all of a sudden, literally all hell breaks loose and they are blown out to sea. Uh, and the actual distance is about 475 miles. So think about that. That would be like you go for a sailing voyage in San Diego and you're blown you know, past San Francisco. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. With no sun, no moon, no right. light. In an old school wooden boat. Yeah. And it's so terrifying. They literally have to take ropes and wrap it around the boat because the wood on the boat is going to be snapped apart. I mean, they're all going to die. It's just terrifying. Absolutely horrific experience here. Mm. That is really intense. Okay, so verses 21 through 26, we go on here. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You should have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So Paul's standing up here in front of these guys, and he's got a lot of confidence here, but an angel literally told him he was going to be safe. How can we keep our faith in crazy moments like this and, and kind of have the hope that Paul had going on here if God is not sending angels to comfort us in the middle of our storms and trials. Right. And so here's the, the first news. That's probably the most difficult point is there is no promise that you're going to be safe in all circumstances mm -hmm. in all ways. I mean, one of the things that we've learned, um, some of the lessons from the Middle East, from Syria, um, some of the heart-wrenching news is how Christians have been specifically targeted 
beheaded, lost yeah. their lives, tormented, burned, all of these things. And so we need to understand as Christians that bad things can happen to us. So this is the first news that I would say is if your ship sinks, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just means that you were on a ship that sank. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reality. And human beings are subject to uh, death, you know, no matter where they are. And as Christians, we're human beings. And by the way, that's the miracle of Christmas. You know, as we're approaching Christmas this week is, is one of the things that we need to understand the great miracles of Christmas is that God became human, which means he subjected himself to the ability to die. Mm. So God, who, you know, uh, Michelle's question, was it Michelle about eternity? Mm-hmm. So oh, Rhonda. Oh, Rhonda. Rhonda, sorry, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. There we go. Beach Boys. <laughs> so Rhonda's question about eternity God exists in eternity, a place where he cannot die. So he enters into a finite world with time, becomes a human being. He becomes vulnerable mm-hmm. and he experiences death for us on the cross. And that's, that's the beauty. And so God subjected himself to the perils of human life, to human existence, and which is death. And so all of us can experience this. Paul here is given uh, a promise by God that both he and all those on board, if they stay with him, will survive. And, you know, man, sometimes God has given you, you know, a word. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, you know, we had a, we had a guy uh, at Sandals Church who uh, had cancer and he got really, really sick. And I don't say this to people, but I really felt like God told me, you're going to be okay. And I was confident in that. And I just tell him, I don't tell people that. And I told him, I said, you're going to be okay. And, and so here we are 10 years later, I saw him a couple of weeks ago at Sandals Church. I said, do you remember that time when we prayed together? I said, God said, you're going to be okay. And so here's what I would say is don't tell people they're going to be okay unless God appears. Mm-hmm. Cause that just confuses people. Yeah. And, and here's the truth. When you are diagnosed with, you know, terminal cancer, you're probably going to die. Mm-hmm. So the best thing to do is to get your life in order to prepare for death. Make sure you have all the conversations that you need to have. Tell people that you love them, share your faith with whoever you need to share and don't bank on a miracle. They're miracles for a reason. They don't happen every day. So, if God appears and says, you know, you're going to be okay, then, then, then man, praise God. But I think the bigger question here is for us is why would God do a miracle? And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of us have a very, very myopic view of our Christian faith. You know what I mean by myopic? Like our own self-focused. Yeah, self-focused. That's what that's what the, the that word, I think it's Greek, means. Um, it, it's just very, very, you know, my looking optic, looking at myself. And so what we do is we, we overstate our value in the kingdom of God. And what we need to do as Christians is understand, look, God loves everybody. He loves you, uh, Justin. He loves you, Stephanie. He loves me. He even loves Kelly, right? Here's the reality. Not all of us, um, have the same value when it comes to accomplishing the great commission Hmm. of the gospel. And so this is really, really hard. And so the question we need to ask ourselves when we're praying for a miracle why should God intervene into your cancer, intervene into your heart disease, intervene into your diabetes, intervene into your loved one who's suffering greatly? Why should God violate? Because that's what a miracle is. It is a violation of the natural world. That's mm-hmm. what a true miracle is. Right. I'm not talking about like God uses medicine or yeah. God uses, you know, I'm talking about a legitimate miracle, right? Jesus spits on your eyes and you can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a violation of natural order. When you're, when you go blind, mm-hmm. you're blind, and mm-hmm. that's the way. So, why would God restore your sight? Why would God um, extend your life? Well, yeah. why would He do that? And, and my answer for that is, is because you are essential to the accomplishment of the mission of God. And so, you know, when we think about 
you know, D-Day, um, the, the great battle for Europe in mm-hmm. World War II, you have all these soldiers, 75,000 souls, right? Taking the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the United States Army understood that about 30% of those soldiers who hit the beach in the first wave were gonna die. Think about that. They yeah, understood that going crazy. in. 30% are gonna die. However, some of those soldiers were indispensable to the mission of taking the beach. And so you would have literally hundreds of soldiers laying down their life. So one soldier can crawl up to a bunker, throw a grenade in and take out the bunker. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately that one soldier's life is more valuable to the mission Mm -hmm. of taking, you know, Omaha beach. Mm -hmm. And so we need to understand that as Christians is that um, our lives will be extended to the glory of God, as long as our lives are indispensable to the mission of God. It doesn't mean he loves us any less, right? Because God sent his son to die for us on the cross so that we could all be saved. Yeah. So we're all important and all valuable. However, the goal now is to get as many people as saved as possible. And so I believe God will dispense miracles that do one of two things. A, extend the life of those who are valuable to accomplishing the mission of God. So he's going to do extraordinary things or he's going to do miracles that will inspire literally thousands of people to come to Christ and extend the glory of God and the mission of God. At the end of the day, here's God's mission. It's not extending your life, right? If that's the the mission of God, Jesus doesn't die. Mm -hmm. He died at 33. How old are you? 31. 31. So Stephanie's almost Jesus. How old are you? Older than thirty-three. So you're like you're like you, yeah you live yeah. Lo- you're older than Jesus. Think yeah. about that, right? I mean, you've lived a longer earthly life That's than crazy. Jesus. So the mission of God is not for us all to live to be a hundred years old and die fat and happy in our homes, surrounded by our family. The mission of God is to save as many souls as possible. And so we need to wrestle with this as Christians when we ask for a miracle. Mm-hmm. Why? What? Okay, so we want one. Mm-hmm. Like, like this person's important to me, but so, so is every loved one of every family on earth who loses their husband, their wife, their child. I mean, when you think about the enormity of suffering on earth mm-hmm. and you, you have to say, okay, so how is my suffering? How's the loss of my child any different from what anybody else experiences? And, and, and my thing is, is that if my heart aligns with God, and that is that the ultimate goal of all human life is to save souls for eternity. Um, You know, I think like, for example, in the Bible, when Hezekiah asks God for a miracle, Mm -hmm. God extends his life 15 years. And and just so you know this, every miracle is an extension. Nobody's going to live forever on earth. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. So God gives Hezekiah an extension. Why? So that Hezekiah can accomplish the mission of God. Hezekiah has 15 years more stuff to do. And so that's the question in your prayer time as you pray about, okay, God, you know, is this cancer my end? Is this heart disease my end? Is there more left that you have for me to do? That's outside of simply wanting to be with family members longer because everybody wants that or wants to be with, you know, their loved one longer. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to spend more right, time totally. with their spouse or with their kids or their grandkids? How does that make your situation any, any more important than anyone else? Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why, you know, I would just say, humbly say, God, you know, if it's my time, my time, it's my time. And, you know, years ago when I had, when they thought I had throat cancer and I underwent surgery, I mean, I just had to wrestle with that. You know, I'm not indispensable to the kingdom of God. God has other people that can proclaim this message. God, however, decided that he still had some things left for me to do. 
And so I believe he did a miracle in my life. And that doesn't mean that I'm more important than you. It meant that God had a task for me to do. Mm-hmm. My time was not yet up. And, uh, and that time is not for me to love my kids and love my wife. My time is to accomplish the mission of God and to tell people about Jesus and to grow his church. And, and, and that's why, again, that's why Paul is saved. And here's what's amazing. Because Paul is so indispensable to the kingdom of God, what's the good news? These pagans that are on this ship who don't know God, they get, they get to be saved too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so maybe, you know, if you're going to go on a mission trip, go with me. Because when my time's <laughs> up, you know, you know, right? Maybe we'll go together. Right. Um, Right? I mean, seriously. I did think about that going to India this summer. Yeah. But I also thought you have really weird things happen to you and really weird stories. Yeah. Well, God wants to enhance my sermons, but apparently, you know, he, he doesn't want me to die yet because things have happened. And hopefully, you know, if I ever do die, even in my death, my death will result in more people being saved, more people coming to know Jesus, uh, because in the end, eternity is what matters. And so... Hopefully I explained that well enough. I'm going to guess we're going to get all kinds of comments on well, that. Let me. I can imagine somebody sitting here listening to you. I mean, because what you just said is, is pretty tough and it's pretty hard. Is it okay to be in a position of saying, man, I want to become expendable or I want to, you know, I don't know, extend my life or, or whatever, like and try and pursue that? You know what I mean? Is that even okay? Yeah, but not for the for the goal of extending your own life. I mean, the heart of the Christian is to do the will of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, on every team, listen, on every team, um, there are people that you can afford to lose mm-hmm. and still compete, and there are people that you can't afford to lose. Um, and, and that's just the reality. It doesn't mean that a person has more value mm-hmm. or that they're more loved. It's that they're more essential to the accomplishment of the mission of, you know, for example, your sports team. Um, you know... And, and, and we don't just see this in um, Christianity. You see it, see it in all religions, um, you know? And so we just have to say, okay, God, God use me. And so the, the goal isn't to become more important. The goal is God use me, right? What is nine, Luke 9, 23? If any man or woman would come after me, let them deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. So as Christians, we all need to be willing to die for Jesus. Mm-hmm. De- death is a foregone conclusion for us as Christians. We don't have to be afraid, John 14. You know, do not be afraid for behold, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you, do not let your hearts be troubled. And Timothy says, we don't know where you're going. And so we get this great passage about heaven and about where God's going. And so again, the peace that surpasses all understanding is, is the hope of heaven, the future hope and belief of things and see it. And that's the hope that Paul has. Paul's going to die. We'll talk about that at the end of this chapter. Mm-hmm. He's going to die. It's just not now. And oh, by the way, praise God, all these 276 other people get to live another day, get to experience the glory of God because of Paul's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's so amazing. I mean, think, think about um, in Genesis when Abraham pleads on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yep. What does he say? If there's 50 righteous people, will you destroy the city? God says, no, not if there's 50. And then Abraham's like, uh, okay, if there's 40, nah, 30, 20, 10. And the reality is there wasn't even 10 righteous people. Mm -hmm. And what that teaches us is that God will have grace on pagans for the righteousness of a few. And so we need to understand that, that God honors and blesses our faithfulness, not just to us, but to our family and friends around us. Totally. Um, Because that's who God is. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was a long talk. It was thick and heavy. It was good stuff. My mom says, though, that she likes it when I get fired up. So that was for you, mom. So do we. Yeah. 
All right, so back on the ship, it says that about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, so it's been two weeks of this storm, as we were being driven across the okay, sea. Okay, can you even imagine? No. Like you're I, vomiting? I couldn't handle like one night of puking. this. Puking? I'm not cut out So let me say this. Tammy and I flew from Bora Bora, I think it was eight years ago, from Bora Bora, which is a, a Tahitian island, uh-huh. to California. So it's about a nine-hour flight. We had to fly through a hurricane. Mm-hmm. It, Dude... I'm serious. For the first two hours as we flew over this hurricane, I prayed for God to save us. The last two hours, I prayed for God to kill us. I'm not kidding you. I was like, I, I literally oh, just man. want to die. This, it was so, people were throwing up. The, this, the, the uh, stewardesses were strapped into their seats. People are crying and wailing. It, those wow. ships, you don't, you don't even realize this ships. Those planes are mm-hmm. designed to flex, let me tell you. Yeah. It is creepy when you start hearing metal like move, bending, oh bending gosh. metal. Oh my gosh! So it was, yeah, two hours save us, and then it was two hours God kill us. Yeah. So they probably don't have snack service going, dude. It was like vomit, man. It was <laughs> disgusting. It was the worst flight ever. So my poor wife cried. She was mm. in tears. She had like a. I think she pulled her sweatshirt over her head and she was just crying. <laughs> I think, I think that would be right there. Oh, so bad. Totally. We would never fly again if that happened. Yeah. Nope. All right. So in this case, this, finally, the sailors sensed land was near. For They're, 14 days, though. Yes. 14, 14 days, days of this. Tammy and I Two did weeks. four hours. Yeah. Okay, I'd last yeah. like four minutes. I don't know. Ugh, no. No, thank you. No boats for me. It says, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So the sailors threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put the anchors out from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and to the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. So is this more revelation from God to Paul or is Paul just really good at sailing for some reason? No, he's, nope. he's not a really good sailor, but he knows, he, he figures out what the sailors are doing. They're trying to save their own necks. Mm. So they're acting like they're throwing an anchor off the front of the boat. Remember this is a large ship. What they're mm-hmm. really doing is they're putting down the life raft and only they're getting on it. So they're, they're close to the shore. This actually is a place I want to go to. It's called uh, St. Paul's Bay mm-hmm. and it's in Malta. And uh, you can actually go there today. It's one of the places, it's on my dream list of, of places to go. Mm-hmm. And you can actually go there, but they found a bay. I mean, it's a miracle of God. They found a bay with a beach. So, right? Because I mean, you could find an That's island if it's all spot. rocks. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever tried to get on an island when, when you're stuck in rocks, but it is brutal. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really scary. A lot of people drowned. Um, there's this great place in Hawaii I love to go to. It's called Queen's Bath. Mm-hmm. And they actually won't give directions uh, for people anymore there because so many people drowned. What? Uh, it's just like this, it's a, it's a big lava tube that's created like a, a bath. So a big swimming pool area, but waves come in and crash and suck people out because they don't know what to do. And the reason they can't get back on is it's rocks. Mm. Mm. And, and you don't realize how scary that is and how slippery oh, that yeah. is, but there's not a beach that you can walk to. So now if you go to Kauai and you ask directions to Queen's Bath, nobody, nobody will give it to you. Wow. Yeah, there's, it's so sad. There's actually, when you get there, there's a big wooden uh, sign and it has check marks on it of all the people who've drowned there. That's crazy. Oh. Yeah, I, it's, it's like 27. I mean, it's like way, it's like way up there. So yeah. So anyways, that was kind of a downer, but yeah, uh, so that's where, so, so they, here's the miracle. They found a, they found an area. They're in a bay, miracle of God with a beach. Mm-hmm. And these sailors are like, okay, let's go. So they actually ran aground. Uh, they hit a, a sand berm. So a lot of these beaches will have sand berms. Cause remember sand moves. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they've hit a sand berm, which the worst thing that can possibly happen to a boat is it gets stuck on sand. Cause what that means is now the boat can't move with the water. The water is going to hit the boat mm-hmm. and it's going to crash. And um, it's really, 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 really terrifying once your boat is 
stuck. Okay, so it's time to jump ship here into Acts 28. Oh, but hold on, no, notice oh. though that Paul says those guys can't go. So mm-hmm. he is, he's as influenced. They believe that he is a mm, prophet yes, of yes, God yes. here. Mm-hmm. So basically what they're saying is we're not going to, we're going to trust our lives with Paul and not our own sailing wisdom. Mm-hmm. That is pretty legit. Now think about that as a Christian. I mean, think about how much better people's lives would be if they quit trusting their own intuition and they just trusted God. Mm-hmm. And if non-Christian said, we're going to trust what yeah. that Christian guy says versus yeah. whatever. Truth yeah. is truth. Totally. That's good. Okay. So we, here we are. Acts 28 uh, one, verses uh, one kicks off. Once we were safe on shore, the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he had escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But then when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a God. So what happens here with Paul reminds me of a verse from the end of Mark. Mark 16, 18 says, they will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Is there possibly any connection with this verse in Mark and what's hap- what just happened to Paul here? Yeah. So first of all, the, we don't have the original ending from the gospel of Mark. So if you look in your Bibles, there will be multiple endings to the book of Mark. And so why is that? Because the way you would roll a scroll is the ending of the book would be on the outside of the scroll. And for some reason, something happened and it damaged the outside of the scroll. And so what scribes did later on is they tried to create an ending. And so whoever this scribe was would have had the book of Acts. And so basically what this scribe did is he summarized the book of Acts and included this story about Paul being bit by a snake as evidence of your faith. The problem is a lot of crazy Christian cults, snake handlers, weirdos. Like if you're in a church that handles snakes, get out of that church. Mm -hmm. It's bizarre. That text is not inspired. It's not a part of scripture. It's just a weird summarization. Again, remember the book of Acts is descriptive, not prescriptive. So the scribe should have listened to the debrief podcast that Mm -hmm. wrote that in there. And then he would have known, I don't need to write that in there. We'll so don't handle snakes. Them. Don't do that. Because probably if you handle a poison snake and it bites you, you will die. And God will say in heaven, you're an idiot. So don't do that. The apostle Paul, again, why, why does he survive? God is not done with him yet. The apostle Paul at this point in time is indispensable to the advancement of the gospel. He won't be that forever. Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, and I'll talk about that in the podcast. I'll tell you what we think happened to Paul, but at some point he's going to die either of old age or martyrdom. So this is just an example of, you know, something extraordinary happened. And and let me just say this. If God's, if it is God's will for you to continue to have an importance in the advancement of the gospel, nothing can kill you until your usefulness for the advancement of the kingdom is up. That's just the reality. So, um, but God has used martyrdom to advance the kingdom. Right. So sometimes, you know, uh, you know, there's an ancient scholar who says that the martyrdom of, or that the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. Mm-hmm. So in other words, saints dying didn't kill the church. It actually propelled it and grew it faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes your death may ultimately be the catalyst for people being saved. In this instance, it's Paul's life that's going to be the catalyst because uh, he's going to get to Rome and he's going to talk to the church. So... Great question, Stephanie. So the end of Mark, uh, for those of you who are new to Christianity, it's we, we don't know how the, the gospel of Mark ends. And in your Bible, all modern translations should acknowledge that mm-hmm. fact. 
I was kind of hoping you would say something that would make me feel less afraid of snakes, but here I am still not feeling great. And I got my feet are off the ground. Because I don't like snakes, man. I, you know, I just not a big fan. Gross. Mm -mm. Gross. Okay. Verses uh, seven through 10 near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the Island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. I I like that by the way. After day four, he's like, Sorry, right. guys. Yeah, not as much kindness. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. So, I mean, we talked a little bit about whether or not God would have caused this storm or not, but do you think it's possible God might have orchestrated the shipwreck here for the sake of Publius and his father-in-law uh, and the people of Malta? Or is this just a good case of God making good things happen out of a bad situation? Yeah, the answer is I, I have no idea. So Luke doesn't tell us what he thinks. And so right. ultimately, Luke and Paul's interpretation of the events are, are most important. So I, I think based upon Luke's understanding, they just crash there and they run into this guy, Publius, who is, uh, has the coolest name ever. Yeah. Like if you're a rapper out there looking for a name, Publius, <laughs> you know, be awesome. Um, I, that, that's my, my take on it. It's, it's just something that happens. And, and you know, I think all too often as Christians, we try to believe that God is micromanaging every event of our life. And sometimes it's just like, look, man, you know, what's the commander's intent? Tell people about Jesus, wherever you are, in whatever circumstance you have, bring glory to God. And the apostle Paul is able to do that here. And the way that he gains an audience is by meeting people's needs. Yeah. What a great idea, Christians. Let's meet some people's needs so that we can share the gospel. Totally. So as they leave Malta, they now come to Rome and it says the brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming and they came to meet us. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. So can you kind of tell us what would have the state of Christianity been in Rome at this time? Yeah, apparently it's thriving. And that's what's, what's, what's amazing. Uh, most scholars believe that Christianity arrives in Rome in uh, AD 49. So think about that. If Christ is you know, crucified somewhere in AD 30 to 36, mm-hmm. depending upon how you do the math. Uh, literally in 10 to 15 years, the gospel is thriving in Rome. So Rome has Christ crucified in this nowhere place called Jerusalem. And literally in 10 to 15 years, there are thriving communities of faith. It grows so hostile to Christianity that Jews are expelled from Rome about 10 years earlier in this. So it meant around AD 50. So at some point they've been allowed back. Uh, so now we have Jews again in Rome. Because, you know, just like a transition, we're going right now through a transition of from Obama to Trump, things are going to be very different and people are freaking out. It's like, that's what happens when leadership changes. So the same thing is in Rome. When you get a new Caesar, things are different. So one Caesar kicks out all the Jews, the next Caesar comes in, he's like, you can come back. And so all the Jews come back because they wouldn't have abandoned their property. You know, they were probably left to their slaves. Um, You know, if they were wealthy Jews and kept their properties and lands, they just had to leave and they would put somebody else in charge. So they come back to their estates, their businesses, right? That's their livelihood. Um, they probably spoke Latin because mm-hmm. they lived in Rome. And so um, that was home. So they would have come back. And, um, you know, the church is thriving. What's interesting here is when you read this carefully, there's two separate communities of Christians that Paul meets with. Huh. So it's interesting. One Multiple meets churches. With, yeah, multiple churches with different leaderships are meeting. So there's not one church in Rome. There's multiple communities of faith that Paul meets with independently. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. And did you say that the book of Romans, Paul has probably already written and sent it to these Christians? Yeah, yeah because in Rome, when you read uh, the last chapter of Rome, he says that he's hoping to come see them. Mm-hmm. So he wrote that letter before he actually got there. So these people have studied him. And so that's also important. You know, one of the things that people knock is, well, how do we know that the scriptures are inspired? Well, we know that 
the church at Rome thought Romans was inspired. Why? Because they send delegates out to meet him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, every single letter that he wrote that we have is considered scripture. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody, anything that Paul writes, even his personal letter to Philemon. So if you've read the book of Philemon, it's really not a book. It's a letter, yeah, a, letter. a personal letter from Paul to mm-hmm. this slave owner named Philemon. It becomes scripture. Mm-hmm. So the church just, just literally falls in love with everything every this guy writes. Says. So mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, hundreds of years later, people decided that, you know, the, this was the scripture and it's ridiculous. No, man, we see here mm-hmm. that in AD 50, 52, the church considers the words of Paul to be the words of God. Yeah, that's intense. Which we see from Luke, right? What do the people on the island of Malta say? Mm-hmm. Okay, he's not cursed, he's a God. Now mm-hmm. they're wrong, but they're almost right because they recognize this guy is 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 a divine messenger. Mm-hmm. He's a divine connection to God. And um, that's how Christians perceived him. Okay. Okay, let me just remind everybody, quick context for where we're jumping into right here. Back in Acts, Acts chapter 21, 22, 23, Paul's in Jerusalem. Jews there get very upset, the leaders, and that's what sets him on this course where they're trying to kill him. He's now here, verses 17 through 22. He's getting ready to appeal to Caesar in Rome. It says, three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. So these are the Roman Jewish leaders, and he gives them a rundown of everything that's happened so far. And he says, I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, we have no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who's come here, but we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a couple of questions, man. Do the Jewish leaders really not know what's going on with Paul? And so the Roman, the Jerusalem Jewish leaders might not have communicated. Is there any kind of communication that's going on there? Yeah, we, we, we don't know. My take is they're probably fibbing a little bit. I'm sure they're aware. So um, 10 years earlier, Jews are expelled by Emperor Claudius. And, and the reason that they're expelled is because of the conflict within Judaism over this issue of Christianity. Okay. So that's what they're fighting about. And they're expelled everywhere. And this is why Priscilla and Aquila make their way. So these are prominent Jewish Christians uh, from Rome who are mm-hmm. expelled and go around and become leaders everywhere else. So again, right, what often the enemy intends for evil, God uses for good. So he takes all of these dominant, wealthy Christians from Rome, they have to leave, and they go around all the empire. And guess what they bring with them? Their knowledge, their influence, their wealth, and the church just continues to grow and thrive. So these guys probably don't know. Um, here's where I think they're being honest, is they haven't heard anything from Jerusalem. And Why? Well, did the leaders just give up and not? No, remember what happened in Paul? Paul said, guys, we shouldn't travel. Hmm. Why? Because that's wise. So the people in Jerusalem aren't going to travel because it's winter. So the the apostle Paul just got on, you know, the Holiday Express (laughs) via a typhoon, right? I mean, it blew them all the way across. Think about it, 475 miles. Right. I mean, that's a long trek on a a boat with sails. Um, And so basically in the ancient world, you just kind of went where the wind blow you. And oh, by the way, the wind just happened to blow you on an island off Malta that's just off, uh, you know, the coast of Sicily, which is just off the boot of um, Italy. Italy. Yeah. So, I mean, miraculously, God blows them right where they need to be almost. So that's why he's beat him there. And um, his accusations just have not caught up. No, they haven't haven't caught up to him because, you know, Paul got there pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Got it. So in response to the Jewish leaders asking to hear more about what he believes, it says a time was set. And on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. 
The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Now, this is a hard passage of scripture to hear because it sounds like it's pretty much hopeless for these Jewish people that Paul is talking to. Is God just recognizing the situation that they've put themselves in or is he condemning them to never be able to understand? Yeah, so what he's doing is um, he's quoting their own prophet who they believe they understand. They believe Uh they see him. They believe they hear him. They believe they understand him. And Paul is using this prophet's words to say, you don't see, you don't hear, and you don't understand. And if you would just come to me, I would heal you. Um, and it's re- it's really a harsh statement. Um, and he draws a line in the sand. And for the apostle Paul, you know, Jesus Christ is the hope of Israel. Yep. He is the Messiah that they have waited for. And there is no Israel apart from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the lone awaited Messiah. He is the only way that they can be right with God, just like for us as Gentiles. And so he lays this down and they don't, they don't take it real well. They, mm-hmm. It really offends them yeah. um, because they believe that they're already, you know, God's chosen people and there's nothing that they can do to not have that, but they have rejected God's offer of salvation. The one they've longed for, the one they've prayed for, the one they've hoped for. And Paul is saying, look guys, you blew it. And uh, we need to all, you know, not, not be harsh on Jewish people, but you know, our loved ones, as we gather around for Christmas, we have, you know, family members and friends who don't know Jesus. And you just need to understand, it's not just about creating a crafty argument uh, or a reasonable argument for why Jesus Christ is God. God actually has to be at work in their hearts. The Holy Spirit, with apart from the Holy Spirit, massaging the human heart of stone, mm-hmm. no person can be saved. Mm-hmm. So there's two things that have to happen when a person gets saved. A, the proclamation of the gospel. You have to share it. Yep. You have to proclaim Jesus. And okay. B, there has to be the presence of the Holy Spirit moving in the heart of the person. And without that, the person cannot be saved. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need to pray uh, for the Holy Spirit to be present when we share the gospel. Because it's not just, it's not like math, you know, getting people two plus two, oh, it's four, and then they get saved. It's literally, there has to be a change in the human heart. Evidence is not enough, Right. Uh, scriptures are not enough. We can't argue people into the kingdom of God. Only the Holy Spirit can draw people into the kingdom of God with the, with the proclamation of our gospel. So we are partners with the Holy Spirit. We proclaim the Holy Spirit draws and those two things work together. So just remember that. Um, and, uh, and no, it's your job to proclaim, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to woo and to draw that person. Mm. All right, guys, here we go. The last couple of verses here from the book of Acts in our 252 series. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. I tried, I tried to read that. Yeah, in I felt a, like the, the dramatic way Yeah, it was there. very breathy voice. A little voice. bit of finality. A yeah. little bit of finality. So first of all, um, it, we, we're not going to get to hear about what happened with Paul's trial Bible um, or the rest of his life. No. Okay, so this, what do we this, do? What do we do with this journey? Yeah, it just totally confuses people. So here, here's what Luke wants us to know: is that Paul is in Rome preaching the gospel with boldness. That the, that the gospel is proclaimed, and and here here's the here's the message that a lot of us miss. You know, you talked about everybody wants to be a hero, and people write stories about being a hero. 
the gospel is the hero. Yeah, Paul right. is not, Peter is not. It is the gospel that is proclaimed. It is the gospel that is victorious. It is the gospel that wins. And so Paul preaches uh, and proclaimed for two years. So we don't know exactly what to do with that. Um, church history tells us, um, there's a historian by the name of Erasmus and he writes church history. And what he says is the apostle Paul was released, but we don't know if, if that's actually what happened or if that was just a rumor or what. But what most people believe, and this is what I think, is the Apostle Paul was vindicated. He was found innocent. Nero has not gone nuts yet. At this point, he's still accepting of Christianity. The Apostle Paul's released. He gets on a ship. He heads back towards uh, Galatia, probably Ephesus, Corinth, that area. Then, uh, uh, or excuse me, he makes his way, excuse me, to Spain because he says that that's, that's his direction. So he goes to Spain and then he makes us all the way back to um, Galatia, to Co- Corinthians, to those areas probably doesn't go back to Jerusalem because that's a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually makes his way back to Rome in AD 64, 65, gets arrested for something there and is beheaded outside of Rome as a Roman citizen for the gospel as uh, Nero uses Christians as scapegoats for fires and things that are taking place in his Crazy. administration because he's insane. Yeah, And that's what politicians love to do, blame somebody else. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. So now as we you know wrap up the whole 252 series, the book of Acts. I will remember you. I'm going to go, gonna gonna go going. adopt I'm going to put that in the background. Adopt 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 there it is. Um, what would you say are some of the major themes you want to maybe reiterate or any final closing thoughts you have you want to share? Yeah. Again, you know, hopefully you have memorized Luke 252. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. And uh, understand that God's desire for your life is that you would grow. That's what we've tried to do this year is to grow you as we've uh, taken a look at the book of uh, Luke, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and that uh, you would grow in your relationship with Christ by wisdom, which is what we've done. We've educated you. We've talked through this. And again, man, so many people I meet at Sandals Church, especially like long-term Sandals people. I'm like, do you listen to Debrief? And they're like, no, encourage people to listen. Seriously. Check it out. I mean, it drives me crazy. It's just like, you know, back to, um, you know, some of the questions we had about all the stuff that we, we input into our lives this is valuable. This will grow you. This will make you a better Christian and help you to grow in relationship. You know, I, I talked to a gal this weekend after church. She's like, she's like, yeah, I read Acts 27 and 28. She's like, I didn't get anything out of it that you got. Well, that's because God has gifted me as a communicator and a teacher to teach this stuff in such a way that it grows you. Mm-hmm. So I think that most people can get information on their own, but hopefully what they get from the sermons and the, and the uh, debrief is inspiration. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do is inspire them and take them to a deeper level and just encourage your friends and your family to check this out and memorize Luke 2.52. It's the heart of the mission of Sandals Church. It's self-God and others all right there. It's the path of Jesus. Uh, it's the way that he grew. It's the way that he lived. And God wants you to grow in relationship to yourself. He wants you to grow in relationship with others. And he wants you to grow in relationship with him. And that's what we're trying to do. So I just love this year. I know I've grown. I've grown mm-hmm. every single week. Oh, I've too. learned. Um, you know, people ask me, how do you know all this? I was like, well, because I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning just like you guys are. Um, I just have a little more time to study than most people. Well, this Christmas, give the gift of real answers to tough questions about the Bible. Help your friends and family subscribe to the Debrief Podcast. Well, that was, that nice. was a creepy voice. I don't know. I'm just trying to be, it's the last one of the year. You, you sound know, two, like two, super two. radio host there. So. Well, yeah, exactly. A I was late thinking, night call-in exactly, show on Coast. coast. 103.5. <laughs> yeah, it's this is not a love song. 68 degrees along the, the coast. coast. That's, what, that's what I wanted to do my whole life, guys. And I just realized I'm sitting here kind of living out my dreams. Uh, we've got a ship coming in off the uh, island of Malta. 
<laughs> so awesome. Now you're also a ship captain? Exactly. Well, I don't know. I'm just thinking, what would you... Yeah, I don't know. If I was a radio DJ and I could see a ship coming in, maybe I'd let yeah. the people know. This debrief episode is dedicated to Tyler. <laughs> Stephanie's one that's, true love. Th- that's mm, right. Yes. Mm, and uh, th- there you go. Good stuff. Well, hey, friends, listen, we love you guys. We're so glad to have you uh, supporting the show every single week. Listen, if you have not yet heard, we are coming to the end of 2016. You've probably seen that on your calendars and things like that. And we are trying to end 2016 uh, this year with a bang and helping us launch into 2017 uh with the ability to launch two brand new Sandals Church locations next year. Our goal is to end this year with uh, an extra $300,000 so that we can use that to launch those lo- new locations. So man, if you would consider making a year-end gift to support what God is doing here at Sandals Church, we would appreciate that. If you want to do that online, you can just go to sandalschurch.com slash launch. Or um, you know, if you want to just push a check this direction, you, however you want to do that, that works too as well. We appreciate uh, your support and uh, you know helping create places for people to be real uh, all over the place has been really, really cool. The other big thing we want to make sure you guys know is we got a live show January 24th coming up. That's going to be uh, downtown Riverside. We're getting our location booked and we can't wait to let you know about that. You can find out all those details on our Facebook page as soon as it comes up. It's going to be uh, so fun, you guys. I'm it's going really to be awesome. Can I make just there. a little little snippet announcement about the launch thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is what I want to say. So I don't know if you looked at my Instagram, but we posted, you know, the launch thing. Uh-huh. And all these people are saying, we want one in Temecula. We want one in Fontana. We want one in, you know, Banning. Uh-huh. And yeah. someone even said Hawaii, which I'm down with that, yeah, right? Support. So here's the best way. <laughs> I'll do San Diego. The, the most ideal location for us is an existing church that has paid for facilities. Uh, why? Because building buildings is ridiculously expensive. I know that firsthand. We've had to build uh, this one. This one. It was awful. <laughs> so the best way, uh, you know, a lot of churches uh, have been, you know, built for the glory of God, but for whatever reason, they're struggling with finding a pastor, a leader. They're struggling with vision. They're struggling with their payments, their finances. Sandals Church can come in like we did with Amethyst Bible Church. Um, you know, they were running only 30 people when we mm-hmm. took over. That church is running over 500 uh, you know, since it became a Sandals Church location. So, you know, talk to your friends, your family members, you know, maybe your grandma or something, you know, godly people, but they're running eight people. I know there are churches like that all over the place. Those are the ideal locations for us because we don't have to jump through any hoops with the city. It's yeah. already a church. There's no paperwork. All we have to do is come in and paint and redecorate, put a campus pastor there who loves God and agrees with the vision of Sandals Church and voila, we have a Sandals location. And so that's what we're looking for I. Dealy, um, you know, we do go into schools and stuff like that, but that's that's a challenge. It is a big big yeah. deal every week at Woodcrest. So if you want to learn more about what Pastor Matt just said, you can actually go to sandalsearch.com slash together and uh, watch a video. It kind of tells you the story and origin of how Sandal Search East Valley came about. And if you want to reach out and if you know somebody or are a part of a church that's interested in joining what God's doing here, we would love to welcome you into the family. You can uh, let us know. Just visit sandalsearch.com slash together. Or if you want to help just support this vision and help us you know, get ready to pay for paint and things like that and turn things around. Um, you can go to sandalsearch.com slash launch. We would appreciate it. All right, guys, we absolutely love you. It's been a good one. But before we go, we've got to make sure that we understand uh, some more stuff that Christians say. Stephanie, you got some Christianese for us? I was almost hoping we weren't doing this. Oh, no, it's, oh, sad. No, it's Christmas. Learning Christianese. I think I'm learning Christianese. I really think so. Learning Christianese. I think I'm learning Christianese. I really think so. Yeah, I'm sorry. So what do Christians mean when they say on fire? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This Christian's on fire. Yeah. yeah. Just so you know, man, if you're looking for a church name, don't use that language. It's especially in the day and age of terrorism. My oh. goodness. Oh, so what it means is inspired, excited, empowered. It's, it's what? Lit. 
It's lit. Yeah, that was bad. So <laughs> that, that's what it means. Um, you know, it, I, I just I just don't think it connotes anything good to non-Christians because like if you're on fire, you're dying. Right. And so what we want to say is, you know, I'm inspired or I'm encouraged or I'm excited or I'm pumped up. You know, Ooh, use that language. I was on fire on yeah, this episode of the show. Fire. You know, I hope not because that means I'm burned. <laughs> Smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well Justin McVeigh, we'll see you second service. Pastor Matt was on fire that first one. Mm.